Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, The Remnant of Judah, and was spoken by evangelist Benny Azalina. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. The Bible says that the defense cities of Judah fell when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came against them. The defensed cities. I want to talk to you for a moment about defensed cities. What are defensed cities in our life? I'll tell you that in this passage in the kingdom of Judah and all throughout Israel and the different tribes, there were cities that had been established, cities that had been erected, cities that were part of promises from years and years ago, cities that had been established through generations and victories and battles that had been fought. And over time, systems, processes, establishment had come into these cities and they had become a permanent part of the landscape of the kingdom of Judah. They were defensed cities. They were established. They were places that were not expected to fail. They were cities that nobody would have ever guessed that if they had come under attack, that they could fall. In the last 12 months, the church has seen some defense cities come under attack. And we have seen some things be shaken that we didn't think could be shaken. We saw things that were established that we thought could never falter begin to falter. We saw people and families that we considered to be pillars, considered to be resolute in the faith, generations of establishment become shaken as chaos ensued our globe. Never thought that family would leave, but they did. Never thought that individual I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this room. Never thought they'd come up absent in the middle of a storm, but yet they're absent. Never thought fear could get a hold of the church. Never thought the church doors would be locked. Never thought the pulpit would be empty. Never thought the altar would be empty. But it happened. It happened. I know we wish it was a bad dream, but it wasn't. What it was was a reality check. And it caused us to take a look inward and examine our defense cities. It caused us, it forced us, it put us in a situation where we had to look inward and examine the household, examine the children, examine our hearts, and determine, 
are we in a position to handle whatever comes our way? Is our faith resolute to a place that come what may, we will not be shaken? Amen? And this didn't just happen in Lancaster. Didn't just happen in Ohio. Didn't just happen in the U.S., but it happened all across the globe. Defense cities came under attack. And to our dismay, we watched some defense cities fall. In this passage of Scripture, we find that Jerusalem was the only thing left standing. It's all that was left. Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem represent, Pastor? Huh. It's the most holy tenets of our faith. It's the intangibles. It's the things that circumstance can't take from you unless you surrender it. When chaos ensues and turmoil breaks out and tribulation is all around, there may be many areas of your life that come under attack, but Jerusalem is only surrendered if you decide to surrender Jerusalem. And I will tell you, over the last 12 months, uh, some people had to make a decision uh, while they were standing on the wall of Jerusalem. Uh, do I really believe uh, what I say I believe? Uh, do I really believe that he's a healer? Uh, do I really believe uh, that there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism? Uh, do I really believe uh, that baptism in the name of Jesus uh, is essential to salvation? Uh, do I really believe that the infilling of the Holy Ghost is necessary to enter into the kingdom of God? Do I really believe that he is the God of the impossible? Do I really believe that he's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory? Do I really believe that he's Jehovah Rapha, my healer? Do I really believe that he's Jehovah Jireh, my provider? That's your Jerusalem. King Rabshaka, or King Sennacherib, rather, sends Rabshaka to Jerusalem, right? And here we find a remnant of believers who had not surrendered, whose city had not been taken, standing on the wall, their last line of defense. Now, if you would have surveyed the landscape, you would have thought, what's the point of even worrying about Jerusalem? Look at all the cities we conquered. Look at all the victories that Assyria has won. Why worry about Jerusalem? Woo. I think Paul 
may have said it best in the book of Galatians when he said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Let me talk to you about the law of the remnant, the law of a little bit, the law of just a little bit of leaven. It only takes a little bit to affect everything. That's why the enemy works so hard to have a foothold in your life. You know, he'll let you come to church, let you bring your kids to Sunday school, let you come and worship, lift your hands. You can come up here and cry and dance and do all that business. But if you'll just let him have one foothold in your life at home, he knows that's all he needs to destroy you. That's the law of the remnant. He only needs a little bit of space, a little bit of doubt, a little bit of question, a little bit of deception to completely destroy you when the shaking comes. He says, you go ahead and worship. Go ahead and praise. Go ahead and do whatever you want. But just don't give up this area of your life. Don't surrender this opinion that you have about the word of God. You, you know, you can have all of that. And look, God's moving in your life and he's blessing you. But, but you can keep this on reservation. You know why he does that? Because you can live blessed and you can have the Holy Ghost and you can be baptized in Jesus' name. But the enemy understands uh, that one day there's a storm that's going to come into your life. uh, And it'll be on that day uh, where this little bit uh, makes all the difference. Uh, It'll be on that day uh, where he uses that 1%, uh, that 5%, uh, that restricted access room of your heart uh, to bring doubt uh, and fear into your home uh, and cause you to believe uh, that even though you've experienced all this good, God is going to fail you in that moment. But he also understands that the law of a little bit works both ways. And that is why they sent Rabshaka to Jerusalem because the king of Assyria knew uh, unless Jerusalem falls, uh, we haven't accomplished anything uh, as long uh, as there's a little remnant uh, of the kingdom of God uh, left standing, uh, as long uh, as there's a small group of people uh, holding fast uh, on the wall of Jerusalem. Uh, It doesn't matter uh, how many cities we take, uh, how many families we destroy, how much fear we cause, how much terror we inflict. As long as Jerusalem is standing, they can still defeat us. And friend of mine, let me tell you, the remnant is active right now. Because over the last 12 months, the enemy came to the wall of Jerusalem and he looked at the believers that said, it doesn't matter if I lose my job. It doesn't, 
Hey, there were people uh, that lost loved ones last year uh, that stayed on the wall uh, and said, we will not succumb uh, to what you're saying. Uh, we will not capitulate to fear. Uh, we will not be intimidated uh, by the circumstances of the hour. Uh, we're going to stay uh, on the wall. And I will tell you, it is that remnant, uh, those that held fast uh, to the holy tenets of their faith uh, that made a decision. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, if I live in a box, uh, if I don't have two nickels to rub together. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, how bad the circumstances uh, of our world gets. Uh, I will never uh, lose faith uh, in God. Now, the adversary, he will do everything he can to get you off that wall. He's a negotiator. He's a negotiator. He showed up at that wall that day. And just think about the vantage point of the people on the wall. They are looking out at cities in defeat. And the very adversary that laid those cities to waste is right there at the wall yelling up to them. And you know what he was doing? He was offering them a better life, Christian. Land, we got it. Come off the wall. Bigger house, we can give it to you in Assyria. Just come off the wall. That promotion, the recognition, the affirmation, all those things that you need that you feel like you've been living without for too long, we got that in Assyria. Just come off the wall. He spoke to the very things that they had lost as a result of the battles that had been waged. <laughs> you can get a new family over here. Ah. Some of you went through some stuff the last 12 months. Some of it as a result to the pandemic, and some of it you just went through. Uh, and all the while, that adversary was at the base of that wall yelling up, come on down. Come on, I know there's chaos in your home. I know you've been fighting with your spouse. Why don't, why don't you just give up and get off the wall? I know your kids are going crazy. Why don't you just walk out on your family? We get you a new family here in this year. Hey, I know it's quiet, but I'm in the Holy Ghost. I know how the enemy begins to speak to people, and he tries to convince you, and he paints a picture that he can offer you a better life. The Bible says that when he showed up, Rabshaka, he started speaking in the Hebrew tongue. Eli came on the wall. He shouted down. He said, hey, I speak the Syrian language. 
He said, I don't want my men to hear what you're saying. You can speak to me in the Syrian language. Don't miss this. Rabshaka looked up at him and said, I didn't come to talk to you. I came to talk to them. He came to cherry pick the saints. He came to cherry pick those that were struggling with their belief, uh, those that were wrestling with doubt, uh, those that were intimidated uh, by fear. Uh, he said, I came to talk to you. Friend, I'm going to admonish you this morning. You will never be able to negotiate with the enemy and come out ahead. Hey, come on. I, I, I got to say this. I got to follow the Holy Ghost. The first thing that the enemy does is try to convince you that you're smart enough to negotiate with him. He affirms you, makes you feel good about yourself. Because if you're confident, you'll be confident enough to fall into a trap and begin a negotiation with the adversary. I'm not smart enough to negotiate with the devil. You're not smart enough to negotiate with the adversary. I'm going to tell you there's only re one response. Uh, and you can find it uh, in this story. The Bible says that as they stood on the wall that day, uh, and he was yelling, uh, and he was shouting, uh, and he was making offers to those on the wall, uh, the Bible says uh, they answered him not a word, not a word. We've lost too many young people who thought they were smart enough to negotiate with the adversary. But how did the adversary even gain access? Hello? Is this all right? I can move on. Let me tell you something. If the adversary has access to my kids, I'm the high priest of my house. So I better find out where that access is coming from. If the adversary is having conversations with my spouse, I better figure out where the access is coming from. Hey, in this hour, I'm telling you right now, I'm preaching to some men and some fathers in this room. We can't afford to have a lazy high priest in the house right now. Men of God, you need to rise up and make a decision. God, the enemy is not going to have access in my house. He's not going to negotiate with my kids. He's not going to whisper to my wife. He's not going to cause turmoil in the atmosphere of my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There will be no negotiations on the wall of my house. Shaka on the wall talking to them. You know what Hezekiah did? He realized that he had a real problem, right? He realized he was in a situation 
where he was outmatched, outnumbered, outgunned. Oh, I guess they didn't have guns, but they had more bows and arrows than he did. So he decided he was going to get alone with God. I'm going to show you what he did. And I'm going to show you, and I'm going to take the time to show you, because there's some people in here that need to do this this morning. The Bible says that he wrote out his petitions, and he came to the house of God, and he put them on the altar. He said, God, this is bigger than I am. There have been some things shaken in my family that I can't fix. We're facing some stuff that we don't have an answer to. We're facing some diagnosis, God, that we that we don't have an answer to. We're facing some financial situations that we don't have an answer to. God, this this is a list of the impossible. And what we need is we need the God of the impossible to show up in our situation and make a difference. God, we stood on the wall. We held fast the city. We held close the most precious tenets of our faith. And now God, the adversary, is staring us down at the foot of the wall. And we need you to step Come on, could you just lift your voice to the Lord for a moment? Come on, I feel something breaking in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, there is faith being unleashed in this house. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Woo. Huh. I want you to notice where Rabshaka was standing and his men. The Bible says that they were at the conduit of the upper pool. He was threatening their source of water. Woo. I did a little bit of research. And I started looking at the maps of the upper pool and how their system of water worked. And you know what I discovered? They had a couple places where their water was sourced from. Hear me. And there was a source from within the, from within the walls of the city. So why would he position himself right there? The only thing that could disrupt the source was if the flow was stopped. Y'all didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. That's why it matters how you respond when you are in an atmosphere of faith, when the word is being preached. Rob Shaka understood, if I can stop the flow, that's all I need to do to completely derail their faith and get them off the wall. 
You may not answer with your voice, but if you can sit on the move of the Spirit, if you can stay silent when God is speaking, if you can quench your faith when the Spirit is moving, I tell you what we need in this hour right now as the church is stepping into a season of unprecedented revival. Church, it's time to get your flow back. It's time to get your flow back. You ought to make a decision. I'll never be silent. I'll never be still. I'm going to worship when the Lord is being magnified. I'm going to respond when faith is moving in the building. I want to engage with the Holy Ghost today. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, Don't discount the power of the remnant that is in this building. Uh, You uh, are all God needs uh, to turn uh, this city uh, upside down. Uh, You uh, are the remnant uh, that God uh, is using uh, in this revival. Uh, Hallelujah. He's always been God of the remnant. Always. It was just five loaves and two fish that fed thousands. It was just 300 against tens of thousands. It was just a slingshot against a giant. It was just the jawbone of a donkey that took out an entire garrison of the Philistine army. See, the enemy wants you to look around and examine your resources and say, I'm not enough. I haven't been here long enough. I don't know enough. Friend, you're enough. You're the remnant that God is using in this house. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Mighty God. Uh, we all want to know what's ahead, don't we? All you got to do is finish the story. Lord will always let you know what lies ahead. Victory always lies ahead when you follow him. Hey, don't allow the world to define victory for you. In his kingdom, victory is certain. All right, I'm glad for the three people that believe it. But you'd be a lot better off when you got home today and you face that giant that's been mocking you and you walk into that chaos that's been tormenting you and the things that you've been struggling with all week long. You need to walk in with an attitude of faith that says victory is certain. I'm a child of the king. I stayed on the wall. I didn't negotiate with Rabshaka. I got a flow in my house. I got a flow in my marriage. I got a flow in my kingdom. I got a flow in my prayer closet. Victory is certain. Uh, 
Isaiah 37 and 31. Are you ready for it? And the remnant. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me. That's me. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. I wish somebody would hear that. You know what I'm competing with right now? I'm competing with the voice of the world that has been telling you that it's just a matter of time before the church is shut down. It's just a matter of time before the church is constricted and can't operate. It's just a matter of time before persecution comes. Hey, friend, I don't know what's going to happen out there. And I don't know what kind of challenges are going to show up. But what I do know is what's in here. And what's in here will never be determined by what's out there. They can do what they want. They can say what they want, but the church is moving forward. The remnant is going to take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem, that's us, shall go forth a remnant. That's what you're doing in this Love My City campaign. You're going forth into a world that's been rocked with destruction and chaos. You know what you're doing? You're getting ready to see that fruit bearing upward again. You haven't seen your greatest harvest yet. You haven't. You have not seen your greatest harvest yet. You haven't seen your most notable miracles yet. I might be the only guy in here that believes it, but I'm telling you right now, people are going to stand up and walk out of wheelchairs right here in this building. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, you're going to pray for somebody with a tumor outside of this building, and that tumor is going to shrink up and fall off right in front of your eyes. I'm telling you that this world cannot stop the church. The church is moving forward in Jesus' name. says out of Jerusalem. He didn't say out of your resources, out of everything you've saved up, out of your set of skills, out of your talents. He said, no, out of Jerusalem, out of that little bit, out of that part where you were barely hanging on when chaos was all around you, out of that little bit that you were struggling to hold to when everything around you was crumbling, out of Jerusalem. Woo! shall go forth a remnant. And they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do that. You ever heard anybody preach about the zeal before? The zeal 
of the Lord. You know what that means? That means I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it. He's going to do it. It means God is going to step in in a supernatural way and begin to move upon the face of the earth in a manner where it doesn't matter what the adversary does. He'll never thwart. He'll never confound. He'll never confuse. And he'll never stop the church. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth the remnant. 33, therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. You ain't hearing it yet. We keep thinking that they are in control of us. They shall not come in to this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. You know what that means? That means no access. No access to the people of God. We better get a Goshen mindset in this last day hour that God has a hedge around his church. He's got a hedge around his people and it doesn't matter how crazy it gets out there. God is going to accomplish the work and the promise that he set out to accomplish. Here it is. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return and shall not come into this city saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. A hundred and eighty-five thousand dead bodies because the zeal of the Lord was loosed because a remnant made a decision. They weren't coming down off the wall. Victory. Victory shall be mine. Victory. Victory shall be mine. Victory. Come on. Some of you need to say it. Victory. Victory shall be mine. Victory. Victory shall be mine. You're going to have victory in the impossible. You're going to have victory in the improbable. You're going to have victory in areas that you never thought you'd have victory before. You're going to have victory in situations that you stopped praying about. Victory shall be yours. Mighty God. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is beginning to move. Faith, Hashatanda Ramakaya, is elevating in this room right now. Hila Mandarashanda Ramakashaya. Come on, 
come on, before today, all you saw was your defense city that had fallen. All you saw was the carnage of a barren wasteland where the enemy had wrecked some things in your life. But today, you're going to lift your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help and recognize that your help comes from the Lord. Oh, that's it. Come on. Would you just pray for a moment? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, we'll move on in a minute. But there's something that's breaking in this room right now. Come on, I want you to press past that unbelief, that doubt, and that fear. And make room for faith to take its place right now. If you're facing an impossible situation, yeah, you don't have to stop praying. I'm just telling you, if you're facing an impossible situation, you need to make your way out of your row right now and start making your way to the front. Come on. I'd like the brethren to join me at the front right now, if you would. Ministry team. Come on, don't be intimidated by your situation. You serve a God that is greater, that is bigger. That loves you and is more compassionate than anything you could ever imagine. Come on. There is an increase. Hear me. There is an increase in spiritual authority over infirmity in this room right now. Listen, I I want you to turn your attention to me for just a moment, and then we're going to pray. There has been a rapid escalation of spiritual authority in the church over just the last few months. We used to be afraid of cancer. Cancer is becoming afraid of us. Listen, I, I know these are challenging statements. I understand that. I understand that there are people in this room suffering with cancer who have been diagnosed with cancer. There are people across our fellowship that are facing it right now. But I'm telling you, in the last few months, I've seen people healed of stage four cancer in rapid succession. There is an increase in authority over infirmity that is happening in the church right now. Just a few weeks ago in Ohio, 
There was a young man my age who had back issues as a result of his legs being two different lengths. And on a Sunday night service in Ohio, his leg literally grew longer. Hey, I understand it's hard for you to believe, but it happened. And it happened right here in Ohio. Now, I'm going to ask you again. If you're facing an impossible situation, you need to make your way to the front. Come on, I'm going to give you a minute. The water's troubled. You don't need to miss your moment. There are people that are holding back because you've come before and nothing happened last time. Listen, I don't know if this is the day on God's calendar when your issue is going to be resolved, but what I do know is that it won't be resolved if you allow the flow to stop. The only way you're going to see your miracle is if every time that miracle is flowing in the room, you step out and say, God, I'm getting in the flow again. This could be my day. This could be my moment. I was in Indiana five or six weeks ago, and there were miracles in the building, and people came forward for prayer and an elderly lady came to the front she had suffered with shortness of breath for a long time she was all I think she was 78 years old she had been suffering with shortness of breath the pastor said for almost two decades and on top of that she had back issues that caused pain all the way down both of her legs and into her feet And when we were in a moment just like this one, she was sitting in her pew, and she thought, God, I've come for this so many times. I said, but God, I'm going to come again today because this could be the day. And she came down one more time. And as she was praying right here in the front, you know what? The evangelist never laid a hand on her. The pastor never laid a hand on her. A member of the ministry staff never laid a hand on her. But as she began to pray, all of a sudden her breath got a little bit deeper. And her breathing began to steady. And she began to speak with other tongues with such fervor and such passion in a way that she had been restricted in the past. As it began to flow out of her and breathing, normal breathing was restored. No matter how old you are, don't you discount yourself and say, well, I'm too old. He healed my newborn son, and I've seen him heal people that were up in years. Don't exclude yourself from a miracle today. She turned around to walk back, Brother Christian, and as she was walking back, she was, she was like, wait a minute. She was like, God, if you can heal my lungs, you can take care of this. So she turned around and came back. 
And before she even got to the front, that pain with every step began to subside. And she had complete relief. I'm going to finish this story and we're going to pray. But as I'm finishing, I'm going to ask for the third time because there are at least six or seven people in this room right now. I know it in the Holy Ghost that you have not moved from your seat, though the Lord is pulling on your heart. And as I finish this story, if you need the Holy Ghost, if you need a miracle of healing, if you need restoration in your family, if you have lost loved ones that need to be renewed and brought back to an altar of repentance, whatever your need is, I am encouraging you to get out of your pew and make your way to the front and make a decision uh, that you are going to create an opportunity uh, for God to move uh, in your situation today. This lady, pastor, her husband didn't serve the Lord. Never came to church with her. She'd been going for decades. So he was well aware of her condition. He watched her suffer every day with pain and shortness of breath. She came home that night with a shout. She walked in her front door and said, she said, honey, God healed me tonight. She said, I can breathe like I haven't breathed since I was a young lady, and I am completely free of pain. Us men, sometimes it takes us a while to be convinced. Just don't fault us. It's just, you know, how we are. So he said, okay. Next morning, as soon as they woke up, you know what he said? Is it still gone? She said, baby, it's still gone. The following day, first thing in the morning, Is it still gone? It's still gone. For the last 37 days, every single morning, that husband has looked at her and said, is it still gone? And every day she looks at him and says, it's still gone. I'm here to tell you, it's only a matter of time before that man walks in the doors of a church and says, God, if you can heal my wife, you can save a wretch like me. You can pull me from the depths of sin and establish me. You can pull me from the miry clay and set my feet on a rock to stay." I said that to say, your miracle is not just about you. When Jesus turned water into wine, the city of Galilee came alive. Hey, I'm prophesying to you right now in the Holy Ghost. You are going to be known as the place to go when you need a miracle. Lancaster is going to come alive with a reputation. They're going to say, hey, if you need a miracle, go down there. If you need to be saved, go down there. It's happening there. The well is flowing there. 
And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.